This is Andaki Chisme, two sisters, one podcast. We're coming together to archive the stories of undocumented people while decolonizing Chisme. I'm your host, Andaki Chingona, and I am your host, Andaki Therapist. And this is Andaki Chisme. Hello, Andaki Chismosis, and welcome to episode 10 of Andaki Chisme. We are super excited. Um, Today's episode is going to be a little different um, because we actually don't are not bringing you all a guest unless you want to consider me a guest. I'm kidding. There's no, going to be um, a lot of chisme. Yeah. What we can tell you is chisme that has been accumulating throughout the episodes. Our guest, as guest, has asked us questions, and we don't want to overpower the episode with our stories um, so we wanted to really focus on our guests but as they keep asking us questions and they want um, us more especially Maria to share a part of her story we wanted to really dive in and and talking about that chisme and, and diving into those conversations that we have not had in the past Yes, so um, on today's episode, we bring you Maria and Mayra having a, a conversation about everything and anything that has been happening. So I hope, um, we hope you enjoyed this uh, chisme with us. So with that, um, I think we can get started. So let's begin. But before we dive in, uh, we have to put here a trigger warning as we are going to be talking about different types of abuse, such as trauma, sexual abuse, and other types of abuse. I want to encourage you to take care of yourself before listening in or to stop whenever you feel that it's getting, um, it's getting in, in a, you're getting in a place where you're not able to take care of yourself and continue to listening. Uh, please feel free to stop listening in if you, when you feel that it's not appropriate to continue listening. If you want to continue listening, please do so. Take breaks and take care of yourself. As we are digging in, there are two major parts of Maria's stories that we wanted to talk about. And one of them, we talked about that when was that? A couple of episodes ago when we were talking about relationships, uh, things that we were regretting uh, or Maria considered. Uh, so we wanted to continue that conversation. And one of my questions was, what do you think if you had the chance to go back in time and maybe you already had that knowledge, you already knew that he was going to treat you like shit, that he was going to be abusive, that he was going to cheat on you. Um, actually, how about bef before all of that, um, because I don't want to just summarize it, do you want to talk a, lo a little bit about how was that relationship for you, how that started, when did it start turning out bad, maybe those red flags that you mentioned that people were saying, what were what were some of those red flags and how the how the relationship ended? So I think for me, I think it started when I went I, I used to call it like the best um, what's it called like the best stage of my life, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was at a stage where I was, well I I was loving myself yes. I was uh, accepting myself yes. I don't want to say I, I was fully in love with myself because I'm still learning to love myself right mm -hmm. but I was at that stage where I was learning about um like the universe and like all of the good things that the universe has to offer to us and like I guess I was going through like this spiritual journey that um, guided me to learn to love myself and accept myself I was someone who growing up I would always say that I didn't want to get married um, because I wanted to be that you know that single tia with like a bunch of cats a bunch of boyfriends and you know <laughs> living that um, whole life I, was like, life I want that like I want like I want all of that right um, but I start as I started I guess going through this journey I was like you know having a significant other would be good I think I'm ready to 
to make that commitment to someone. So um, one of my my colleagues at that time, one of my friends, um, she shared with me how she met her significant other. And I was like, they're such a cute couple and they're still such a cute couple, right? Um, but um, so she told me how they met. Huh? How did they meet? I'm, I'm, I don't think I want to say just because... Okay. You know, that's their privacy. Um, but so then I went ahead and kind of followed the same steps and met my significant other through those same steps. At that time, my significant other at that time. <laughs> um, would, would you like to share how you met that person or that's something that you're... I think it will disclose about. how my colleague, my friend met her husband. Is it, is it that wrong uh, of um, this method? And you don't have to say the exact whatever, but just the method. I it's think not wrong. It's normal it. how, like it was online dating. Is this how people meet nowadays, yes. right? Which it's is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. that. That's fucking normal. Um, yes. And so let's normalize it. But I guess I won't say the platform just because I feel like um, I would be no, out. No, no, no. Of them, course, right? Of course. And I, um, I didn't mean to. And go. again, there are people that have such a beautiful relationship to me. Like, so I was like, I like that. I think I'm ready for something like that, right? So then I met my my partner at that time through social. Yeah. I mean, through yeah. online dating. Yes. Um, we connected, and you know, it was just a nice relationship because at the first. The first day I met him, I was like, okay, what's your point on immigration? How do you feel about immigrants? What's your point of view? Um, because to me, it was important for him to know right away, like, I'm a documented dude. So mm -hmm. either you support me or you don't peace out, right? Mm -hmm. um, so at the beginning, he he was very supportive. He would come to, like, um, protest with me, you know. Um, he acted like this very woke person so I was like oh fuck yeah like someone that understands and like has the same values as me like you know um checks all the boxes of someone that I would want to share my life with um we got married um I think the I guess the red flag started showing before we got married because I guess like we kind of proposed whatever um and then like a little bit later, I found out that he was, at the same time that he was dating me, he was dating someone else. Um, the girl that he was dating came to me and told me like, hey, he's um, doing this, right? But I didn't believe her. Like, I don't know why, but I didn't believe her. I was like, nah, like, because he told me like, oh yeah, she's someone that I dated, but I don't, I stopped dating her when I was dating you, right? And she's like bitter because like, I'm with you. And I was like, I don't know why my stupid mind wanted to believe that. <laughs> so I just did. Um, and sorry, like, I'm going to stop you no. for a second. Just be kind to yourselves. I know that it's anger provoking to think about ways in which our minds have deceived us in a way, but really our minds are not stupid. We're not stupid. Oh, yeah. We no. did the best <laughs> that we could with what we knew. We knew yes. that it was the right thing. Um, At that point, my yeah, mind the fact that it was someone the right deceived you, Yeah, the fact that someone deceived you, that is their fault, it's not yours. Um, your mind wanted, helped you. Your mind is always trying to, to help you survive in a way and looking for ways to serve you. Um, yeah, sometimes it plays tricks on you. Uh, it fucking sucks, but just you're not stupid. Um, and I want y'all to remember that your mind is not stupid. You're not stupid. It's not your fault. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, with that being said, is there anything that that this person told you that that reached out to you that thinking back really aligned with, oh yeah, that's that makes sense because this day I was here or you know, you were given this and this was after we started dating or something that thinking back at it, you were like, yeah, that that was very tangible, like a tangible proof that he was deceiving me. I had asked her to describe his room mm -hmm. and she did, like she gave exactly certain things that he had in his room that I was like, ah, 
like it's true right but then the fact that he had said like oh I was dating her before I was like right. oh well maybe she remembers that from before right yeah, um and then we had taken a trip to Seattle mm-hmm. um and he bought a, a mug and he was like oh this is for my mom and like I had a really good relationship with his mom like she was uh, really kind to me right and I was like oh like I'll pay for the mug like if you're gonna give it to her right like let her know that it's a gift for me um but I guess like he gave the girl the mug oh wow okay. it was like a Starbucks mug she sent me a photo of it okay but it wasn't it was just like someone holding the mug mm-hmm. which okay. again at that time I was like I don't know like she could have googled like someone holding that mug right because mm-hmm. the photo was like like all pretty with like filters and stuff like that okay is there awesome. anybody else or was that the only person that that was that was the only um person that reached out but then also like you you know when you met him like you would tell me like I'm sorry like he was like I don't know there was something off and I'm yeah. not right and that's the thing I'm not always right but he and I don't go based off people's vibes mm-hmm. that's not that's not always right as you know people have told me myself that I have some kind of vibe that doesn't match with theirs um that's okay so that's why I was like no there's something off with them but just the fact that this other person reached out to you and things match I don't know I think that's just something to really take into consideration before taking the next step um and and he came to my job like the next day he showed up to my work with like flowers like apologizing again that's like the whole fucking circle right of like the flowers just happened but you came with flowers right but at that time I was like no one in my life, I mean, uh, a man that has had some type of romantic interest in me has gifted me flowers, mm. right? Um, which, again, like the man that I would date before, it was for fun. It wasn't an emotional interest. Like sometimes there was that emotional thing, but um, not to this level right if I if I compare them it wasn't to this level um so he showed up with flowers and I was like oh okay like I guess I can forgive you um and then we just kind of moved on past that and we got married so when we got married um that's when like things really started getting pretty bad you can say Mm -hmm. because he felt like he had this power over me right Mm -hmm. um because going into the marriage um he knew like oh, I can potentially become your sponsor and like help you uh, establish some type of uh, residency. So when we got married, and the reason why we got married was because I was going to do, I mean, I obviously I loved him, right? Or I thought I loved him. Um, I was going to do advanced parole and he's like, you can't go to Mexico. Like, I can't let you go to Mexico unless we get married because if you get stuck out there, like I can't live without you like I need I need to make sure that you're coming back okay right um so we pushed our marriage to do it sooner rather than later so we got married um his family didn't show up to the wedding which was another like red flag but his reasoning was that they couldn't get day off okay right so we showed up after that we like had our quote-unquote honeymoon um I mean we didn't go anywhere but um we kind of relived our first date which I thought was really cute um again (laughs) red flags right Mm -hmm. um so when we showed up to his home his mom was um a little upset because she's like what do you mean you got married and I was like what do you mean you didn't know and she's like well no I knew and I couldn't like get the time off but I didn't know like it was today so how come she couldn't get the time off if she requested today off I guess because she didn't have like hours um like hours to take off Mm -hmm. right because she um she worked in a place where 
like she needed to be there or she needed to ensure that there was someone covering her, but she also had to have hours in the book in order to take time off. Right. When we got home, she was already off work. But she had no idea that when. That it was that day. Like she knew it was coming, but she didn't know that day. Okay. Right. Um. So that was like, again, another huge red flag. But then like he would make me pay for things. So he was very financially abusive. Um. I would have to pay for like our dates. Um. He would always find a reason that, oh, like I don't have money. Um. Just different things like that where I had to become like the the one to provide right to financially provide uh when I met him um he worked at um like a fast food place I'm not gonna say which place but he worked at a fast food place no shame in that which I was like I don't care like as long as you're working and making money fuck it Mm -hmm. you know but he got let go of that job I helped him find another job with the help of one of my former students um we were able to help him find like a good um paying job like uh you know more than he was making at at the fast food place and he was getting way more hours than he was at the fast food place um but he still depended a a lot on me financially then he started becoming very emotionally abusive by uh he was like skin right and that was a thing that like everyone would be like oh he's so handsome and I think a lot of it had to do because of his the color of his skin he was like uh you know a white Mexican um and like his eyes were like on the lighter side también, even though they were like brown. Light brown yeah he had like light brown eyes um so everyone him <laughs> We're like, oh, he's so handsome. And I was like, who's everyone though? Like a lot of people, like students, um, friends, um, like, like even my mom was like, oh, like, está guapo. I pues en gustos and rompen generos. He would come and, I mean, he would make fun of the color of my skin. Mm -hmm. Call me brownie. Um, He would like just point out that, I was brown yes and I started believing that which I was like I like you know like yeah sister Prieta. um but I like and before like even since I was little I was like fuck yeah like I'm brown like estoy del color de la virgen right because the yeah. virgen is such a, a important point in our cultural mm-hmm. um in the, I guess our, our culture and so for me being the color of la virgen was so fucking like I love that. I'm proud of that. I, yeah. yeah, like I was like, yeah. So for him to come in and like point out that I was brown, I was like, oh, this is bad, right? Um, like I started believing those things that he would say. Um, I found out that I have um, PCOS, um, which basically it's like a polycystic ovarian syndrome. So my, I guess, ovaries create this cyst that like affect my my everything that like you know people would say make like biologically makes you a woman Mm -hmm. um so you know um when I found out I told him I was like hey like you know my doctor said that it's gonna be like hard for me to have children I know you and I are not interested in that and like his response was like oh your vagina is broken and um you know like no wonder like I've been trying to have kids with you but in in my mind I'm like what the what do you mean you've been trying to have kids like that hasn't been part of our plans right like we haven't like talked about it Mm -hmm. but I was like okay whatever like I don't like I'm too sad right now like I remember sleeping that whole day like I was like how did someone take this choice away from me (laughs) like that's I was like fine and now that I think about it I laugh about it because I'm like like dude I don't even want kids (laughs) yeah yeah but you're right about and I think because throughout our lives we have been so limited with Mm -hmm. our choices the choices of finding a job where we want to, we, or getting out of a job or a a job because we want to, the choice of um, choosing the school that we want to go to, choosing our partners, because a lot of the times we can't even choose our partner 
uh, you know, having an undocumented status, it feels so limiting. Mm -hmm. So when you at least know that you have choices about your body, it's, it's just, it feels liberating. It feels like you at least have something mm -hmm. and when you are, when they keep telling you, when you hear that uh, from someone that you don't have a choice or it doesn't feel like you have a choice mm -hmm. for your own body, of course it's, it's heavy. Yeah, like I would have to put my body through this like treatments if I want to have children someday, right? Um, which are conversations that like I have to have with like my new partner now of like, do I really want to put my body through that? But that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. he would go and like make those comments at his job where my student worked. Okay. So he would go and say things like, oh yeah, like if we have... um you know, children, they're gonna be brown, like her, or some shit like that. Like he would make oh, wow. stupid comments, okay. right, to his co-workers, and my student were here, and like, she would like stand up for me, right, mm -hmm. um, and she did come and tell me, and I was like, oh, like, that's fucking wrong, but like, I didn't know how to react, so like, I talked to him about it, and he was like, no, she's a fucking liar, she's just hating, and blah 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 and like fuck it like I ended up in you know going to therapy um which is not a bad thing um but I was in therapy and then my therapist told me I had anxiety depression uh, PTSD um and even then she was trying to help me find ways to make the relationship better I would tell people like the things that he would do to me and like the thing I would hear is like I want that I want that day. You're so close to getting your, your papers. I want that day. So I hate that fucking word. I hate yeah. it so much, right? And it was always like, well, I want that day. And it was like, but no, you don't want that. Like, like, I, I don't, don't want to. you. And yeah. like my my body and my mind are telling me like, enough. don't, don't hold on to this. There's nothing there for you. Um, I gained a lot of weight. I ended up, you know, my weight was like close to 300 pounds yeah. um, of how, like I was stress eating. I was, um, you know, it yeah, was just a lot, like a lot of things, you know, I felt like he would get, um, a lot in between my my career and like what I wanted to accomplish right like sometimes I would take work home which is not healthy now I have realized that yeah. but like he would always find a way to like make me feel bad about those things if a student would call me and it was a male student like fucking telling me Maria like this situation is happening right like a negative situation with immigration right and needed help at like fucking 5 a.m what a bitch about that mm -hmm. and say like why is this man calling you like it's a student dude right but then he would always say things that he was so secure of himself and like I wasn't like as pretty you know as like for him or like things like that um like I remember when we would get in fights he would get on top of me and I couldn't breathe because he was a heavy said dude he also like I mean meeting him he was already like fat <laughs> but like I, when we were in the relationship he, he also gained a lot of weight mm -hmm. um and so he would get on top of me and I couldn't breathe and I would tell him like I can't breathe like get off of me and like you know and he wouldn't he would like pin me down um there was a point where like I would fall asleep and I became a very heavy sleeper mm -hmm. I mean I've always been a heavy sleeper but my body was just so tired that I wouldn't feel anything that would happen to me right um so he told me one time like that at, like he like how can I put this he wouldn't we stopped being sexually intimate mm -hmm. um so he told me like oh, when you're sleeping, like, I pleasure myself, and, like, I touch you. Wow, that's... That was fucking cool. hard for me, because I was, like, oh, I'm sleeping, yeah. and, like, how do I know that he is touching me, or that he's not touching me, like, because my yeah. body's just to that point, right? I was scared. I was, like, 
damn, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that my attorney at that moment yeah. would tell me that it had to be physical abuse in order for USCIS to believe me and process a vowel case. How, so, how the fuck yeah. is that not abuse? How the fuck is that not sexual abuse? Mm -hmm. When someone is touching you without consent, mm -hmm. that is sexual abuse. Yeah. Well, and why do you mean your lawyer told you that it, that wasn't sexual abuse? Is that what yeah, I that they That he needed to physically... Um, I need to have like physical proof. What is the physical proof? I, mean, I have no clue. So in my mind, I was like, oh, then he needs to like punch me in the face. So no, then it got to but, a point where we would argue and I would get in front of his no. face and I would be like, hit me, punch me, hit me. Like not, not you know, I would find I a way for him to like physically hit me. And he wasn't stupid enough to like, yes. And not hit me like he was like no um but there was a um one time where he like pinned me down that he like made a bruise in my arm mm -hmm. I didn't remember this time until I processed my bowel case that one of my employees uh, at that time who's my friend you know she wrote a letter and she said she came to the office one day with the bruise in her hand in her arm and I was like fuck like I can't believe I forgot that like mm -hmm. that he did that right and I I used the excuse of like oh I hit myself in the door I was like mm, like oh my god like why did I excuse this behavior from him at that time but again I I was doing like you said I was doing the best that I could to survive I am I'm sorry to you I'm a little bit speechless um even though these are stories that I myself have gone through and and listened to with my own clients. It's like, it, I'm a little bit angry, not gonna lie, at the fact that your lawyer said that that was not enough proof. Um, first of all, with VAWA, you don't need physical proof. What you need is your story. That's yeah. it. You don't need anything else. So if you're listening out there and your lawyer tells you that you need a physical proof, um, run. That is not right. Please get yourself another lawyer. Run away. That is not true. In order to file for VAWA, um, you it could be it's just your story, and it could be that emotional abuse, which obviously is emotional abuse. You're not gonna see a scar in your body. If it's financial abuse, of course, that is not gonna, there's no physical proof. Um, of course, it's gonna be with the financial side, you're gonna see that you're paying for rent if it's coming out of your pocket. But sometimes that's not even true if you're doing it cash and your partner is putting it under their name. So please run, please run, uh, consult with another lawyer. That is not right. Um, but going back to your story, I know that, and, and this happens in a lot of situations where you don't know what's happening until you're very deep into all the shit that's going on because things happen so slowly. And again, taking into consideration that cycle of abuse where something happens, they apologize. There's a honeymoon stage, something happens again and it goes again. So in that honeymoon stage, after they apologize, um, it feels right. It feels good. It feels like, you know, they're being held accountable. They're, they are making things right. Everything's going to be okay. So that kind of overrides all the bad stuff, stuff that happened. But when do you realize this is not right? I need to do something about it. I need to make steps to whatever it's, whatever steps that you took whether it's to stay safe or to get papers or whatever it is. So when the relationship started, we had, we were living with his mom, mm -hmm. right? And then after a year, I was like, we need to move out. Like I need more space than just yeah. one bedroom. Right. Um, you know, we can't, we can't be like this. And he was like, I'm not moving out, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, then I'm moving out. And if you want to continue the relationship, uh, like we can continue in not living together, right? But after he saw the space that I got, he was like, oh no, like I am moving in, right? Mm -hmm. He liked the idea of having his own space, being able to bring people over, um, 
things like that. So he would always bring his friends over. Um, I wouldn't bring my friends over. Why? I don't know why I wouldn't invite my friends over. Um, But he would invite his friends over every weekend. Um, And obviously, I was responsible for like cleaning, making sure that it looked nice, that it would look welcoming, Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, being a a good host, I guess. Um, And um, after... Sorry, since you moved, uh, since you decided to move, um, who was the one that paid for the down payment? The oh, me. I was paying for everything. Deposit, he was know, only giving me like $300 a month. So after you decided to move in, that you paid for all the fees, deposit, uh-huh. first month, last month. Yeah. Um, you were paying for um, about $1,500 more just for rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were paying for bills, utilities. Mm-hmm. You paid also for the um, uh, furniture, things mm-hmm. that you needed at the house. And when he, a few months later, when he decided to move in, he was just no. Paying- it was like a week weeks later, oh. like a two, I want to say like a week later after I furnished the whole entire house and everything. He decided to move in. Yeah, he and decided. His part was three hundred dollars. Yeah. And on top at first, that, he would give more. Free. Like mm-hmm. at the beginning, he would give more, which I was like, okay, like he'll continue doing this, right? Mm-hmm. But then he switched and like started giving me a little less. And, and his reason was like, well, I don't want to move in here to begin with and um, stuff like that. And I was like, whatever, I need to pay because I, I don't want to get kicked like, out. Right? Yeah, like, you know. And they're so, under my name. So it's gonna affect me if I don't yeah. pay yeah. and like you know um you and I we have this tradition I guess it's become a tradition of like visiting my mom every weekend mm-hmm. um so even then he would like make me feel guilty about like visiting my mom or doing things that I enjoyed doing um I felt like encerrada like even though I had my own place I was like like I don't know how to say encerrada in English you, you felt like you were in a jail that yeah yeah um Um, in a place mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so he um like the abuse continued there right and um he would play video games and he was like talking to this girl and I was like okay that seems fishy um so I began checking his phone I used to feel so guilty for checking his phone but now I'm just like no fuck that I needed I needed to find proof so that I could walk away Mm -hmm. right um so when he would tell me that once the lease was up that you know we were gonna part our own ways because he wanted to go back to his parents and like and I was like okay but I'm gonna continue living here um because I'm not going back to my parents house love them but like no thank you um I like my own space right so one one time one day um I was um we were playing a board game and then he said, you know, um, I think it's important for us to have this conversation, you know, um, after the lease is up, I'm gonna go, like, to my, back to my mom's, and I was like, okay, Um, I was like, you know what, why don't you do it now, Mm -hmm. like, why don't you pack your stuff and go, yeah, this weekend, Mm -hmm. like, I think it's better, because if you don't, think that the relationship is going to work out um I'll rather you leave me now and not waste my time because um if there is someone else out there for me um I'm wasting my time here right so I told him like please leave me like please leave and he's like no uh, let's wait it off until the year is over um uh, he used the excuse of like, I want to help you with, you know, finalize your papers uh, situation. And I said, I don't need you for that. Like, just leave me like, I'm okay not having papers, mm-hmm. but I want my freedom back. I remember specifically saying that to him. Um, I remember texting you and saying like, hey, this just happened. Like, I'm sad, but like, I need him to leave, right? Um, and you said, like, kind of kidding around you said like oh tiene otra <laughs> like he has another woman kidding around, I was like no but like when and this is not always of course and I cannot recite any uh, research on this but typically when somebody once is hesitant about leaving 
it's because they want to secure the next relationship before um, completely leaving one. Yeah. Um, so we, we fell asleep and I was like, I woke up and I was like, you know what? Something's fishy here. Like, mm-hmm. and so I grabbed his phone and, you know, he had the camera thing because I didn't know his pin. He had changed it because the last time I had checked his phone, I, I found some, some stuff on his phone that I was not okay with. Um, he had like photos of like, he took photos of somebody's butt yeah. at work like behind right I mean they're not naked like they're not nude but he's still like to me that's not okay because I'm pretty sure he took them without their consent yes so I had confronted him about that he changed his pin so that day when that happened I opened up his phone I checked his phone Mm -hmm. um because he was sleeping so I was able to just like grab the phone and put it on his face so it can unlock and you gotta do what you gotta do um and so he I opened up the phone and then I saw that there was a number that has a little moon which means it was on the do not disturb and I was like okay but it didn't have a name Mm -hmm. so I was like oh maybe it's one of those numbers that they send you like ads or things like that but I was like okay so I I decided to open it and then I saw the first message said something like I I broke things off with Maria and the response was like oh I hope you didn't do it because of me and then he said something jokingly like it's never because of you like I needed to do this for myself Mm -hmm. and then she was like oh I'm so glad to hear that um and I was like, what the fuck? So I scrolled up really fast and I started taking photos of the conversation, right? Um, and I was like, oh, hell no. And like, she knew my work schedule. She knew mm-hmm. my class schedule because at that time I was doing my master's. Yes. She knew like what time I would get home. Mm-hmm. Like she knew everything. Mm-hmm. And he, I'm pretty, I'm 100% sure based on the messages that he brought her into my home. Yeah like more than once because there was a a conversation of him asking telling her like oh I want to cuddle with you why don't you come over and her response was like oh no she's gonna be home in like an hour and what is she gonna do laugh and like tell me to get out oh wow and I was like oh Jesus right I checked snapchat and he had conversations with her on snapchat too it was one of her co one of his co-workers Mm -hmm. um I sent her a message and I said, thank you, because Mm -hmm. you are taking trash out of my life. Mm -hmm. If you want him so bad, you could have asked him to leave me instead of being in this relationship Mm -hmm. where I'm still involved. You know, I wish no one does this to you, but if you do decide to be in a relationship with him, I hope he doesn't treat you the way he treated me. Did she respond to that? No she it was on snapchat so that he wouldn't see what i said to her okay. um she didn't screenshot it mm-hmm. uh, but she did tell him that i messaged her okay. and he came back and he was pissed he was like why would you message her that day i was like get out get out of my house like i don't want you here mm-hmm. and like i recorded the conversation um mm-hmm. even though it's you know illegal but I recorded it for my safety um mm-hmm. because I was too scared to call the cops but I told him off and I was like get out of my house I don't want you like you know and his response was like well I'm gonna call ice on you and your family and yeah. I was like grab my phone fucking do it like I was to that point that I was so fed up I messaged my best friend at um you know Lorena and I showed her the photos and I was like dude like me asking papeles right like I'm not gonna have papers like and it sucks but she was able to connect me with um a new attorney and like when I met with her like since the first appointment she like it gave me so much power back who is this new attorney if you would like to let <laughs> our listeners know about the work that she does and how yes since you mentioned that you were getting that power back since that first yeah like um her name's Karina Gutierrez I know she worked uh, for UCR and um now she has her own private practice so KG 
law i will like make sure to um that information put the details in the you know episode description and also on instagram but since that first meeting she gave me some power back where she was like you don't have to be with him like Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that somebody told you this and we will figure this out and we'll make a case out of it but you don't have to be with him anymore like no tienes que aguantar um you know and like she told me like straight up you are a survivor and I was like oh shit (laughs) like I didn't know like, I didn't know I was going through abuse until she straight up said it to me, um, you know, because we grew up seeing stuff like that. So to me, even though my mind, like, even though I knew what abuse was and what it looked like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I was in denial, like, I don't know what, yeah. what goes through our minds, right? But when she said that, I was like, fuck. Yes like fuck this is real right um and I remember like texting his mom and I was like please come get your child get him out of my house I do not want to see him I do not want to be around him he still stayed for a week before asking about that week um I also want to say that this shit happens uh, being uh, victims of abuse, um, surviving abuse, it's not, I don't want to normalize it, it's not normal that someone abuses you, but it is very common. Mm-hmm. It is very common. It happens to people that have degrees, people with PhDs, lawyers themselves, um, educated people and non-educated people people that know about abuse, people that don't know about abuse. It happens to many, many people, both um, genders, uh, all genders, um, sexual orientations, all types of relationships, monogamous, non-monogamous. It happens. And if you're going through this or if you went through this, again, I just want to emphasize that there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with what you did. if you didn't realize it until now or in the past, if you didn't realize it when you think that you should have, um, know that it's okay. Um, if you're realizing it now or whenever you come to terms to it, um, know that you're not alone. There is people out there that have gone through similar situation. There are support groups. They are culturally competent. Uh, therapist and culturally competent lawyers like Karina that will help out um, and you don't need that physical freaking proof um, mm-hmm. that what they say uh, but going back to that one week so he stayed he stayed how was that week for you how did he end up finally moving out I was doing movements behind the scenes Mm-hmm. like acting like like oh I forgive you like we can be friends um even though deep down I wanted to like punch him yeah <laughs> but he like he was like okay like I'll move out this weekend you know um just because my my family's here like and I don't want to have to explain myself to them and I was like okay like your relatives yeah and I was like okay but during this week you're not allowed to talk to me you're not allowed to touch me you're not allowed to like nothing right um mm-hmm. but so he stayed for that week and after he grabs he packed most of his stuff and he left he still like left some stuff there he didn't give me the copy of his key he he kept the copy of his key and then after he moved out he would randomly come in drop by to get some of his stuff and he would like fucking be like oh I moved something let's see if you figured out what I moved and that was scary to me but I would screenshot that and like send it to like you know who was now my attorney and I was like oh my god like you know but I would try to like figure out what he moved like I was like did he put a camera in here like you know um I was very like hyper aware of like things you know um but like 
it sucked because like I started experiencing like panic attacks Mm -hmm. I would tell him like like it was okay for me to share with people around me what was happening Mm -hmm. so that people who live nearby could actually come and help me right Mm -hmm. um so I started like talking about it more Mm-hmm. and telling people what was happening around me and like asking them for help right not um um I know that after all of this you there was a long process uh, mm-hmm. um, that immigration process do you want to talk a little bit about how was that transition of him moving out you continuing with the immigration process and how that ended up I filed um with the help of, you know, my attorney, I, we filed for Bauer. Um, and it was just a lot of like going back and like sharing with her everything that happened, right? Having to relive those moments, having to retell my story over and over again to ensure that I wasn't missing any details. Mm-hmm. Um, getting letters from friends that saw us hanging out and who like re- I guess I acknowledged that the, that what he was doing was not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, people who just, I guess, saw it all. Um, and at this time, you were also working with the therapist, correct? Yes, I was working with a, a shitty ter- therapist. <laughs> um, but it was the only therapist that, like, Kaiser could provide at that time. So having, um, getting, I guess... Um, like the, the records from that and just submitting mm-hmm. everything um, to the, you know, making sure that the attorney had the necessary things to create a, a strong case. And I think it, it would be nice to like potentially bring her in the future to kind of share a little bit of what that was like, um, because I don't remember everything that I gave her. I just know it was a big package of things that we were able to bring back from text messages, photos, um, mm-hmm like just everything right and I know it looks different for folks but I didn't have any police report I didn't have anything like that and I didn't need it right Mm -hmm. um so when it came time to get an interview for um okay so my I got the temporary I don't know the right term I can't think of it right now but like a temporary residency so I had to like within two years prove that I was still married things like that Mm-hmm. And in order to get it, like, I guess, get more years. Mm-hmm. Um, so then my attorney submitted that paperwork. But while that was being processed, she also submitted for citizenship. Mm-hmm. So when sometimes when that happens, um, you get called in and then they're able to approve your um, residency case while also approving your citizenship case, mm-hmm. right? Or something like that. Um, so when I got called to an interview, it was for my citizenship, but I was, I still had the other case pending. So the guy, um, you know, pa mi mala suerte, the guy who interviewed me looked like my ex, like mm-hmm. same fucking walk, same like body image, you know, mm-hmm. like I was like, fuck, you know, my, I froze during that interview. I froze, but my journey was there. So if your attorney does not show up to you, with you, fire them. Like your attorney should come with you if they have the capacity to do so, right? Mm-hmm. So my my attorney was there with me. She prepared me. Like she was like, you know, um, kind of, she had my back, right? I froze um, the USCIA. USCIS agent was like didn't believe me I guess Mm -hmm. because he did ask of like well why didn't I call the police right um but I froze I I was just crying and all I could say was like I'm sorry I'm sorry you Mm know um because like he just triggered so many memories of like the abuse that I was like Dios mio like what did I get myself into right and Mm -hmm. Like, I wish more would have come out, but again, I had my attorney to speak up for me. Um, He asked me to step out and he's like, I must ask you to step out. I'm going to talk to your attorney and then I'll ask you to come back in the room. Um, He walked me to the restroom and I was just fucking crying. I was sobbing. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, as we're walking, I'm like, I'm so sorry. And, 
he didn't know what, how to react, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I am um, a few moments later, my attorney came, found me in the restroom and I just told her like, uh, nothing could come out like, you know, and um, she assured me that, you know, it'll be okay. Like even if they deny the case, like oh, she okay. has my back. Um, but then a few moments later, like we were sitting there and I was like, I universo, I Diosito, like whoever you are, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, come through, take the wheel, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I, I thought of like the mandas, so like the, you know, growing up, our mom, like nos enseñó, like you got to give up something you love to get something in return type of thing, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I Diosito, like I'm not gonna eat tortillas and like soda for a whole year tortillas just because I love tacos and like I was thinking of all the things that I love made out of tortillas (laughs) and then the agent comes out and he's like he calls our my name we go up to him and he's like I approve your case you don't have to come back to this anymore like you don't have to leave this anymore or something like that and I started crying because I was all I heard was like you don't have to leave this anymore and like I was like crying and I was like okay but I didn't understand the other part of like your case has been approved uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and then we're like he's like go downstairs and fill this out and so I'm in the elevator and the attorney's like oh my god Maria oh my god and I'm like what happened and she's like your case was approved mm-hmm. oh my god I started crying I was like what what do you mean <laughs> um so I um you know took the oath of whatever it's called so the case when they say the case was approved it means the case as in you are now a citizen I am now like my BAWA case has been approved so my residency case was approved and so was my citizenship case Mm -hmm. um and I just went downstairs and you know we did the oath of whatever I don't I should know that right I'm a citizen now (laughs) (laughs) but we did that and I was like this is it like I fucking made it right like I made it I don't know what it means but I I I fucking made it so to to put a little bit of context to all of this story for our listeners Maria how old were you when you arrived in the U.S. I was nine so since the age of nine until the age of what were you undocumented 29 29 29 how old are you right now 30 30 I just turned 30 yes you just turned 30 um meaning that how long have you been a citizen since September of 2021 so so I haven't had tortillas or sodas so you've been a citizen for six months yes I know that for a lot of people, as soon as they become citizens or as soon as they become legal residents, people start pushing them out of the community, the undocumented community. People start saying things like, oh, yeah, you're not one of us anymore. anymore. You're Mm -hmm. not one of us anymore. How has that been for you, that transition? Um, Hard. I forget that I'm a citizen Mm -hmm. (laughs) because my, because my undocumented status has played such a big part Mm -hmm. of my life of my development of my fears of my just it has shaped who I am it has made me the badass mujer that I am today Mm -hmm. all those advocacy efforts all those uh, rallies all those protests all those petitions that I've signed Mm -hmm. um, all the times that I've shared you know my story all the times that I've collaborated with congress representatives sharing my story in a way that they want to um, Mm -hmm. in order to like make it political for people to believe why we deserve a pathway to citizenship Mm -hmm. I'm like I forget that I'm a citizen yes and not to um, put it like it's a, a reality that someone that now is a citizen it cannot be taken away meaning that they have that freedom that undocumented people don't have mm-hmm. but just putting it out there I'm yeah. not, we're not trying to erase that reality yeah no at the same not. time we we have to realize that we put so much into that identity mm-hmm. of being undocumented that we put in the back end other identities that we may have 
like being uh, women or being a part of the LGBTQI community, being uh, parents, being sisters, being, you know, all these things that we are, we forget about them because we are so involved into this identity of being undocumented that when we stop having that identity, it's like we have nothing else. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. It's that's a reality as well. The mm-hmm. fact that we are out there all the time saying, hi, my name is Maida, I'm undocumented. Hi, my name is Maria, I'm undocumented, and this is who I am. When, hi, my name is Maida, and who am I? Who am I? What is my community? When I when we talk about my community, our communities, most of the time, we don't talk about the Latinx, Latino, Latina community. We talk about the undocumented community. Yep. We don't talk about, you know, the many other types of communities. We typically talk about my undocumented community. So when that is taken away from us, what is left behind? Who is our community? Who are we supposed to reach out to? Who, who, what part of a community do we belong to? And, and it sucks. And it sucks. So I hope that you're listening out there. You know that. And we're hoping that this, we can make that transition into not being undocumented anymore and that that right now we start looking into other identities other intersections that we hold that we are and we look beyond that being undocumented part of us that yes it is very important that we need to look into who we are who are we beyond that not having papers part of us I love that you bring that up because I recently submitted a a form to like be part of this like amigas group by We All Grow Latina. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, why do you want to be part of that? And that was my response. And like I started crying after because I was I put something like as someone who was undocumented, I feel like I didn't get the opportunity to explore other identities of myself. And this is one that I want to explore because I am a Latina um woman who you know has also been affected by by that by her womanhood um Mm -hmm. and again by being latina you know um even though latinas like come in different um shades of color like you know as as, like brown latinas i mean i just shared you know with you know my ex like Mm -hmm. being brown was such a bad thing and Mm -hmm. um so i wrote that to them and i'm like please accept me (laughs) Yes, and, and that's the thing. I, I see you getting choked up about this story, and I have been starting, just starting a few weeks ago, to explore my own identities. Because if someday I become documented, I don't know who the fuck I am. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the fuck I am beyond that identity, and it fucking sucks. Yep. It sucks because I am more than just this freaking status immigration status and it's gonna be very difficult to and it sucks to to like derogarles a otras comunidades mm-hmm. we belong mm-hmm. in those communities but we have been pushed away by those communities yep. the same thing with undocumented and i think that's why we undocumentedness is such a close community and we want to really stay here because other communities really push us away. In the Latinx community, many Latinos, Latinas, Latinas push undocumented people away. Mm-hmm. We are not welcomed in those spaces that we should, that we belong in. Yeah. And it hurts. Like and you'll belong you in like, you are. Accept me. Yeah, when you say, <laughs> like, like, please yeah. accept me, I'm like, I wait. <laughs> Like they'll they'll let us belong if we are like entrepreneurs or like we have a business or if you know sometimes sometimes like right, right. Mm-hmm. you know but for me it's like I wait I don't even have that like <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I'm an educator like, and <laughs> hi like like what do I say about myself like I I didn't know what to say when they said like um you know why do you want to be part of this group one I was like I fucking want to attend that we we all grow Latina summit like (laughs) because all these badass mujeres that I follow like are gonna be there and I want to meet them Mm -hmm. right part of part one but I'm obviously not gonna write that (laughs) (laughs) but also like again I want to have the opportunity to explore beyond my undocumented status right um because I feel like now I have the opportunity to do so so like you said I I would 
encourage other undocumented folks to explore beyond their their undocumentedness, right? And because we are more than just that. Yeah. Even though I, yeah, like that that plays such an important part of our lives and it shapes who we are. And, you know, I, I appreciate my my undocumented status because, like I said, it, it made me the baddest mujer that I am today. Yeah. If we, as we're wrapping up these episodes, and I, I know that there were two main stories that we wanted to highlight, or that was the intention at the beginning of this episode. So if you started listening because you wanted to hear about Maria's journey in regards to the educational aspect of her life, I apologize. We're going to have to leave that for another time. But I wanted to ask you to introduce yourself. Who are you? Who are you beyond that educational or professional world, beyond that undocumentedness, beyond that what do you like who are you te gusta la cerveza are you no, a no. Of a girl do you i you know no beer <laughs> who are you what do you like what brings you joy how oh what would your introduction be i'm thinking i want people listening and really take a minute to think about who you are if you were to introduce yourself without saying anything about your educational journey or professional journey, which are, of course, very valid and a very uh, important part of yourself. Who are you beyond that? What do you like? Do You know, if you were not working or going to school, if you were to dedicate that time for yourself and really discover yourself, what would that person be? I've had to rewrite my bio many times. Yeah, And that's been really hard for me having to remove that like because it was always like Maria Barragan is an undocumented Latina or undocumented woman or undocumented something right Mm -hmm. Um, and now even though I found a creative way to still include that I was undocumented Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like pero ya no soy (laughs) like you know um, so I've had to find other um, parts of myself so if I were to introduce myself or things you know that make me who I am I would say that I am a a woman Mm -hmm. um I am you know I think my womanhood plays a really important part of my life Mm -hmm. I am Latina I am um a creative like I am you know creating now by doing this I am a a public speaker just because I love public speaking Mm -hmm. (laughs) um that's my random talent (laughs) that I possess public speaking I am um, a writer even though I haven't given myself the time to like explore that part of Mm -hmm. or explore it as much that part of my of me Um, I'm not a professional writer like I don't think I sometimes have the words to express like in a professional way certain things but I am a creative writer you can say (laughs) I like putting words together and I'm like oh this sounds nice (laughs) um I'm a plant mom I I've grown to be my grandma I love plants (laughs) that has become my healing thing um I'm a dog mom I have my my dog (laughs) who I I love she reminds me of my uh, our previous family dog and I just love that because I don't think that I gave him as much love as he deserved. <laughs> so I'm getting a second chance here. Um, yeah. I don't know what else I am, but I think we're going to leave you yeah. and everybody else listening with that homework. Yes. You're able to explore some of those things. I'm a shopaholic. Try out those things. Oh, yeah, you're a shopaholic. I'm a fucking shopaholic. That's who I am. <laughs> like, now that I think about it, I'm like, I'm a fucking shopaholic that loves exploring new places. Oh, yes. That, that is me. That is I, as much as my therapist might say that shopping is not a, a healthy way to cope if it affects my finances. Yes. But you know what? Fuck that. Is <laughs> it affecting your finances now? <laughs> but is it affecting your finances though? It's affecting my savings. <laughs> okay. Because I so should save some money. <laughs> okay, so then I'll leave it up to the, your discretion whether that's healthy or not. Yes. Um, but yeah, y'all out there listening, start exploring. And I actually do recommend following Los Caminos de Maria. 
on Instagram if you want to start going into hmm, what is within my budget that I can go and explore um, because Maria's adventures are very budget friendly. A lot of them are coffee shops, parks, um, museums that are relatively uh, low cost or, or free. So yeah, give that a try. And I don't know if there's anything that you would like to share with our listeners before we transition out. I would say whatever hard situation you might be going through you're not alone mm -hmm. and for all the survivors out there we believe you mm -hmm. we are here with you mm -hmm. and like you are so damn strong despite having to aguantaste like yes. yeah just that thank you maria for for sharing this very personal part of you i know that and i can see how how much growth you've made since that happened I remember that at first uh, when talking about our stories you break down you break down you cannot hold those tears and there's nothing wrong with breaking down there's nothing wrong with crying there's nothing wrong with feeling pain um, but I'm glad to see that growth and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're you stopped grieving or that you stopped feeling pain or that that doesn't affect you at all anymore but I'm glad that you're able to find strength in sharing that story and I want to leave with the quote um, that says sometimes you think you're being buried when you're really being planted. God is using this season to grow you. Um, this is an anonymous quote and whatever God means for you out there, whether it is attached to a religious being, a spiritual being, or the universe, um, know that, and I'm hoping that this is for your growth, but also know that not everything happens for a reason. And this is me being adding to this quote. You know, it's please don't believe that you have to go through shit in order to grow. Please know that you don't have to live in a state of sacrifice, in a state of pain, because you gotta grow or because God puts the worst bottles to their best warriors something along those lines shit did not need to happen in order for you to grow you did not have to go through difficult situations in order for you to grow sometimes shit happens just because however if it makes you feel good if it helps you stay strong in your faith to know that you have to go through this situation in order to grow that is completely valid and please hold on to that in order to continue to have that hope alive um, again thank you so much for listening in please stay in touch take care of yourself find who you are